The last Metroid is not in captivity, and the galaxy, it's not at peace. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week we talk about Metroid Dread and the return of Samus Aran to the public consciousness. In a world packed with Metroid-inspired games, is the original still cool? Yeah, obviously. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Jason Shire. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And hello. Hello. It's us. It is. Here we are. We're back for We're back. another episode. Yeah. The most important episode ever. It is. It is recorded. kind of. <laughs> Maddie, it is the year of Maddie Myers. It kind it of is. is. Big year I for mean, Maddie. Big year for me. Big year for Metroid. Big year for me and Samus Aaron. 35th mm-hmm. anniversary. Certain people said it wasn't important. <laughs> they shall rename nameless. They're gonna eat their words now. <laughs> they're gonna eat their words. Thirty-fifth anniversaries matter. Uh, happy birthday to Samus and me. Anyway, uh, before we before we talk about Metroid, which I've already spoiled. Obviously, we're gonna talk about Metroid today. Metroid Dread. <laughs> I want to say, uh, you know, the Max Fun Block Party still going on. First it of is. all. So maybe we got some new listeners. I know we got some new people in the Triple Click Discord. It's been really fun to see more and more people joining that, checking it out. That's very cool. And so maybe you're a new listener. And if you are, then you might like to know that we here at Triple Click do something for MaxFund members, which you can become a member by going to MaximumFund.org slash join. And every month we, the three of us, make a, a special bonus episode and sometimes it's it's a it's a beans cast where we spill the beans about a game we all played <laughs> or tv show we all watched or whatever and sometimes it's a beans talk where we just shoot the shit talk about, about something. something we spill the beans on our lives <laughs> yeah we spill topic. the beans about our personal lives uh but we this open month, up our guts and show you all our, our beans <laughs> oh boy <laughs> no we're keeping those beans inside at least mm-hmm. at least when our personal lives are are concerned but this month we are going to do a beans cast about Outer Wilds as Ooh. well as Outer Wilds Echoes of the Eye, which is the new Ooh. somewhat mm-hmm. long DLC that yeah, was significant released DLC. this year. A significant uh, new story elements included there. Yeah, almost there. a stealth so, sequel, you could also say. That's very scary. Yeah, very scary. Very scary A little bit spooky. It's a little spooky. So uh, we will be doing that uh, before the month is out, or maybe right after the month is out. Anyway, we do one a month. So uh, MaximumFun.org slash join. Consider becoming a member, and then you get an yeah. extra extra episode from us. Uh, but that's enough of that. Uh, let's, let's talk about Metroid. Yeah, let's get into it. All right, Maddie, Sweet. take us away. Hey, welcome. Kirk and Jason don't get to talk. I've prepared a presentation. <laughs> Wouldn't that be That's great if be I just like shared next... my screen suddenly and you guys For were like, this minutes. has never happened before. And, like, <laughs> and I, need to, I just muted you guys and I was like, mm-hmm. and now welcome to Samus Aaron's <laughs> final installment. Well, God, I hope it's not the final installment. But anyway, Metroid Dread. It's a Nintendo Switch game. It came yep. out on October 8th. Mm-hmm. And this game, as a Metroid fan, <laughs> <laughs> it's very important to me and many other Metroid fans, but it's also the very first Metroid game that a heck of a lot of people are playing. And that puts it in an interesting category. It's been a, a couple decades since there was a new story in in the 2D Metroid world, although Other mm-hmm. M is, is a 3D game that includes some new story elements that are relevant to Metroid Dread. But it's also just... Since it's by Mercury Steam, uh, Mercury Steam was a studio that released um, a remake of Metroid 2, the Game Boy game, 
called Samus Returns a few years back. And that was, I would consider somewhat new, a somewhat new 2D Metroid. I think that was 2016 that came out for the 3DS. And that was rad. And it turned out that that was just a little audition for Mercury Steam to make Metroid Dread, which is the, in theory, final installment of Samus's story. And I freaking loved it. But I feel like I am precisely the person for whom this sort of thing was designed. I love a tricky platformer, love some Dark Souls-esque bosses where you got to memorize some attack patterns and really get good at at every single thing they're going to dish out to you. Love to get a morph ball, even when you don't get it right away, as you don't in Metroid Dread. (laughs) I love everything about it, but I would love to hear from the two of you about what you think of Metroid Dread and how far you've played in it. So Jason, why don't you go first, since I know you haven't quite beaten it yet. Yeah, I think this game rules. Um, I'm like uh, an inch away from beating it. I just got, last I fought the final boss, um, <laughs> he was on like phase three. So I know I'm like literally a hero yeah, right from there. beating the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's amazing. Um, so Metro Dread, uh, 2D platformer, awesome, like self-contained world with like lots of interlocking levels and overlapping um, monsters and bosses and um, amazing abilities. You're just constantly getting abilities. Um, the game is paced really well. It just feels really good to play. Um, it's just constantly surprising you and delighting you in interesting ways. And I cannot really think of much that I don't like about it. Um, I can't really think of any complaints that I have about it. It feels very, it's it's challenging in a good way. It feels very fair. It never feels like it's punishing. Um, it's not It's not Dark Souls. It's not that level at all, um, I would say. Um, feels more like um, uh, uh, Metroid. It feels like Super Metroid. In, in, Interesting. In it feels like difficulty. Metroid, yeah, how, how, Who would have thought, right? It's about um, as hard as a Metroid game. A 2D platform Metroid game. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I agree. Um, and just the, the design, I'm constantly like marveling at how well designed it is in that it just you're you're on these this this series of like six or seven different levels like within this giant this big world this alien planet that you're on and each one you'll constantly be seeing things and and they're like blocks or like uh, obstacles that you can't get by until you get the special ability that corresponds with that like there's a, a a block that might have a bomb symbol on it and you can't destroy it until you get a bomb um but the game is very good at just like funneling you in this direct in this in the right direction and like making you um go back uh in ways where it doesn't feel like you're going back so like you'll find a teleporter in one place and it'll take you back to the uh you'll fight fight a boss and get an ability and then find a teleporter right next to it that takes you back to um the first level and then you'll see that like oh hey that thing from before now i can go unlock it instead of the game making you like backtrack all the way across the entire map so the game metro dread does things like that all the time which i really appreciated and yeah i loved it it rolls what about you kirk yeah, I mean, I, I really like this game, too. So I finished it um, last week sometime. I was struck by everything that you just said, Jason. Of course, I think it's a wonderfully designed game. It feels really good. It's really fun. I find the difficulty to be pretty enjoyable. Like, I think you, there are some tough bosses, but never... I didn't find it to be hard in the way that some other similar games are. Usually, 
when you kind of dial a boss in and figure out what to do, I would always finish the fight with all of my health. Like, just yeah. because it was a little more like a puzzle in that way. Though it is a difficult game and I think kind of demanding. And so it's not, you know, it's not going to be for everybody. But I really like that. It about helps it. that every time you die in a boss, you pretty much start right outside of their chamber. And there's yeah. no, like, Dark Souls style walking all the way back. No, mm-hmm. or lost progress or anything, which is is nice. The thing that really impressed me about this game, or the thing that, that struck me about it, I guess, is that it's so relentless. I found it to just be this really propulsive, relentless experience where it's just like pounding forward. And I mean, it matches with Samus and the way she's characterized in the game, but it's just like, it just goes, man. And I started playing this game and just played it until I finished it. I mean, I think a lot of people did. I was following a lot of the very interesting discussion in the Triple Click Discord and people just, they were done with the game after two days. And it's just, that kind of an experience, which is very specific and not necessarily what I was expecting. Um, we talked about this some on our What's the Deal with Metroid episode, which any newcomers should go back and listen to that because that was a kind of bigger zoomed out talk about Metroid. And something I said during that episode was that I've played a lot of games that were inspired by Metroid, the so-called Metroidvania style of game that uses a lot of these structural elements. But I actually haven't played that much Metroid. I played most of Metroid Prime. I played Metroid 2 on Game Boy way back when I had a Game Boy. And that's kind of where some of this iconography like will stir something in my brain, like when I get a power-up sphere or whatever. But really, that's kind of it. And it's really different than other Metroidvania games I've played. Obviously, Hollow Knight is one of my favorite games ever and is very influenced by Metroid, but so different from this game. And that was the thing for me that just really struck me about it throughout was that it was this very different pace, this very different feeling of just constantly unlocking, constantly pushing forward, this like relentless drive through these fights, even the toughest roadblocks, I kind of broke through them pretty quickly. And like you said, Jason, the way that the map kind of routes you around, you're always being kind of propelled through it. There are times you can go back and explore, but it's a lot of just forward momentum really Mm -hmm. straight through to the end. It's just that sometimes you're kind of curly queuing back on where you were before. So I just found it to be this like relentless gripping experience that when I finished it, I was just like, whew, like I kind of took a breath and was like, all right, that was great. Damn, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, there's less exploration and less of a rhythm of like, okay, thinking comparing it to Hollow Knight, which is obvious comparison since we all love Hollow Knight so much. But um, in Hollow Knight, you are frequently uh, going back to town and like buying stuff and talking to people and then heading back in in the world or like you're taking the train to go to multiple places and you're not... Uh, yeah, as opposed to Metroid Dread, which like you said, is just relentless. And it doesn't feel like there There definitely isn't as much... At least the game doesn't push you as much to just like take your time and explore and backtrack. Um, almost less than previous Metroid games I've played. It, it just is no, very yeah, much like... It, a, it very much does the opposite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and there are a lot of areas that I noticed. There were a couple points where like I got stuck. I didn't know what to do next. Um, at one point, I had to look up a guide because mm-hmm. like there was a hidden hidden little block that I couldn't... That I didn't yeah. notice. Um, but um, but uh, there are a lot of points where you just can't go back. Like it, it traps you in your new a new mm-hmm. area, and you just have to go forward. Which again is part of the theme of the game. Just like Sam is continually pushing herself forward, trying to get off of this planet, trying to kill all the exes, all the ex parasites, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I purposefully did go and explore, which I don't think is how you're meant to play the game, but I was Mm -hmm. just really luxuriating in it. And it does feel very different when you break out of the story of the game and just allow yourself to do that and like go solve some puzzles because there is this whole other aspect of the game that revolves around trying to get every single upgrade, which Mm -hmm. usually involves 
these puzzle-like experiences of using each of your abilities or figuring out a way to get past a certain mm-hmm. barrier or like certain types of barriers just so that you can get just a tiny percentage of like an energy upgrade or something. Yeah, the, the rewards it. are not but, great. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, it's but not, the challenge that's not really the point of wonderful, it. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, the point of it yeah, is the just the challenge are... of it, which is it definitely like flies in the face of what the story is, which is Samus just pushing <laughs> ever forward to try to discover the identity of this mysterious Chozo who attacks her at the very beginning of the game. And in theory, she would not stop and be like, let me go back and just try my morph ball in every single place where you you can use a morph ball and just see what I can see. But that is the kind of thing I was doing. And I really enjoyed that. And I will also say to your point, Kirk, about Metroid compared to other Metroidvanias, I mostly just feel like this game really tapped into the the alien and aliens of it all in a way mm-hmm. that I found very pleasurable. And I, I feel like every Metroid game does that on some level. They're not necessarily horror games, but this game, it introduces the Emmy robots, which stalk you like yeah. a xenomorph might. And I, I wouldn't necessarily say those moments are scary so much as thrilling in the way that Aliens is thrilling. But then the moments that are kind of like Alien, well, then, of course, Samus Aran is this female character who's alone in space and she's figuring things out just like Ripley at the very end of the movie. Uh, well, she has Jonesy. <laughs> Samus doesn't right, have a cat. Right. We must but not commit Jonesy erasure. You know what I mean? She's she's alone. <laughs> she's <laughs> figuring everything out for herself in a capable way. And that vibe of just walking around in the darkness and spooky music, awesome electronica score, like all of that just, it hits something for me that many other Metroidvanias don't hit because they're just not the same aesthetic or they're they're aping it, but they're not quite it. And that is really what I love about it. It's not so much the mm-hmm. Metroidvania genre. It's just the atmosphere specifically of it is what I love. Yeah, you know, another comparison that is, I think, also useful because Hollow Knight is really just doing its own thing. I mean, it's just a different yeah. kind of game. It's telling a different kind of story. It's very, very, very different, despite ostensibly having some mechanical similarities. A game like Shadow Complex, which I'm not sure if either of you played, but that game was like, that was, I think, the first sort of modern Metroidvania that I played. And it was one of the, it was kind of a big deal when it came out just because someone was so obviously doing the Metroid thing in 2D with like, you know, 3D backdrops and stuff. But it was a pretty soulless game overall. And it just is just a very different experience. Like when you play something that's kind of designed in the same way. Director of that game, by the way, went on to run Fortnite. Go on. Mm. Right, right, because it was an epic, an epic game. And, uh, you know, it's just it, it was interesting playing this after playing that and seeing how a, ver- a much more similar kind of experience could be so fine tuned and so much better designed to, like, create this kind of specific propulsive energy that this game has. Can we talk about the Emmys for a second? Those, I think, are worth talking about. They're really different from the rest of the game. I was expecting them to work differently than they did. I guess I don't know what I was expecting. I kind of just watched scenes from the, you know, like clips from the first Nintendo reveal of this, but I thought they would be more of a thing where they were Uh just around. Yeah, they made it seem, yeah, E3, that that reveal made it seem like they would just pop up out of nowhere. Right, which they don't. And I think that's to the game's benefit because they're frustrating in the same way as the Alien and Alien Isolation. I remember, I think it was like I called... One of the names I suggested for Alien Isolation was Fuck Everything the Game. And that was because that was something that I said all the time playing Alien Isolation is because you're trying to just 
get somewhere already because you need to whatever drop off this thing you're carrying and then the stupid alien drops out of the ceiling and you're like fuck everything and you have to like go all the way around and it's super stressful for another 10 minutes and in this game I will say I had the same feeling with the Emmys where you, you know you always go to an Emmy zone and the goddamn thing is right there <laughs> and you're just like oh my god I just want to get through to the door so I could like pull the lever and open the thing which you can't and then you have to sort of creatively problem solve around these really intense but very brief and continuous situations and I think that is actually to the game's benefit that it just feels like a change in pace you know some spice that's really tense like you said Maddie it's not scary but it's like oh god oh god oh god I'm gonna get out and then you get out or you don't and it kills you but then you start right at the door again and I like that as sort of a spice like a flavor for the game yeah me too uh huh and it's always it's so well set up it's well established because you always face the enemy you discover it's a secret power um, and some of them are really annoying like the one that can see through walls the electricity oh my god oh my god Um, yeah. And you always have to have like a brief segment where you have to escape it. Maybe you'll you'll run through the Emmy zones at, at other points like a couple more mm-hmm. times. And then you'll learn where the central unit is to go and get the ability that lets you take them out. And it's just it's all very satisfying in the way that it has that kind of classic escalation of like mm-hmm. you see this thing, can't do anything about it. Keep going, keep going, get past an obstacles, get get an ability or two. Now you can finally go and get get to the central unit and you can take it out. And there's something so so fun about like getting into a room and finally seeing that big eyeball thing and yeah. getting yes. to take it out and those monsters are always those are like I guess sub bosses but they're always deliberately very easy yeah they're, they're like, very easy yeah. which I think is is intentional For because sure. it's it's sort of like it's supposed to be this really like calming satisfying thing that is like oh yeah like finally you get to take out this Emmy that's been mm-hmm. harassing me that killed me 10 times on my way here yeah, and it's also usually a puzzle to figure out how to kill the Emmy at that point. Like, you have to figure mm-hmm. out where in yep. the room you're going to stand in order yeah, to Yeah, where the big flat surfaces. And those sequences aren't super intense either. Like, they're just kind of like, you might get killed a few times, but it's yeah. sort of a puzzle, like you said. It's a puzzle, yeah. And I, I mean, that combined with the fact that I really thought these would be more stealth-focused, and I was just so relieved mm-hmm. they weren't, because I can I can get into a stealth game, but it's just not really my preferred genre, and it's not really what I think of as a Metroid genre staple. Mm-hmm. So I was really surprised at the idea that there's this Phantom Cloak ability that makes Samus invisible, and is that going to play a huge role in this game? And it kind of doesn't. And mm-hmm. just the idea that not. I instead need to worry about jumping over the Emmy or whatever, or like jumping around it or just avoiding it. And then also it, once I have the Omega Cannon, just finding a good place to stand so that I can kill it is that's fine because it feels very Metroid to solve a problem mm-hmm. in that way. And to have every yeah. boss be a problem or set of problems that you just have to figure out how to solve. So the other thing that feels very Metroid is that this game is awesome about giving you like all these amazing traversal mechanics that just build on each other in new ways. And that lets you, to your point, Maddie, jump over the, the Emmy in new ways, like every time. Um, whether it's like grappling onto one of those platforms that lets you kind of like zip line across them and, and mm-hmm. jump over them that way. Or eventually towards the end, you'll start getting like the the dash um the dash ability, ability the is huge, dash, That's which like is amazing. The most crucial upgrade. Um, the and dash then, is well, so and then the infinite, the infinite jump. Well, the double jump, oh, which the then infinite, turns yeah, into the sure. infinite jump. Yeah, the jump, infinite jump which, is just like 
great which is you can amazing do whatever like, you want, i don't forever. remember is there an infinite jump in any other yeah. metroid game there is okay i don't remember that i didn't remember that but um but yeah getting that was was the best because then mm-hmm. you just feel like all powerful and it's funny you can take because, on anything if you can jump anywhere well jason yeah. i know that you're a big double jump fan and it's funny that I in am. this game you're like oh you like double jump do you yeah <laughs> what about yeah. infinite what about jump, jump <laughs> yeah. forever up a billion passages and you're a spinning electrical razor blade that kills everything that you touch like well yeah because amazing. then there's the additional power of aspect of it where it's like yeah. also you get to kill everything that you touch yeah it yep, the screw attack owns. that's a classic the screw attack is a classic i was one. really struck by how many upgrades there are in this game and how dense there are they are yeah. it's just like you're constantly getting them and that i think goes back to the level design and how crazy the level design is that everything has been accounted for in the flow and structure of this game that the map itself has to interact with i don't even know like what how many upgrades are there in this game? There's like 19 or something. Like it, it just keeps it's going and going and wild. each one opens new possibilities in the map in different places. And like to the point like shine spark, the like charge jump ability essentially just exists for those puzzles that are designed in the map. Mm-hmm. That's wild. That must've taken so much iteration and work to make that work. Yeah. And it's basically just an additional ability on top of the speed boots. Like, it's right. just like, oh, mm-hmm. and by the way, you can also yeah, do by this. The way, yeah, you're going to use it thing. once in the story. And otherwise, it's just for these yep. ridiculous puzzles that you're going to go watch people do on YouTube and be like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, can you, what is possible in this game? I think yeah, that that only works, Kirk, to your point. I think it only works that they were able to account for all this stuff because the game isn't that big. And I think it's actually mm-hmm. the perfect length for what it needs to be. It's like 10 hours, you're in, you're out. Um, I see people posting like their playtimes on Twitter. Nobody's played for more than like 14, 15 hours, which is perfect. It's exactly what it needs to be. Um, This game should not have had a bigger map. I did not want any more zones. This is the exact amount of 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 map that I wanted from this Mm -hmm. game. And that I think is just because it's not too bloated. It just feels like the perfect. And there is there is an article um, there's an article uh, from a Spanish outlet that was about how Mercury Steam, the developer of this game, is reportedly um, mistreated workers in, in some ways that um, is worth checking out. We can link it in the show notes so people can see it. And sure. Although it's in Spanish, they'll have to find an English translation if they don't speak Spanish. But um, one of the things that article mentioned um, is that they overscoped and like had a bunch of stuff in it that they had to cut, um, which, I mean, I think uh, worked out actually to the game's benefit that they cut a bunch of that stuff because i actually think the pacing of it is is per- is is perfect um the yeah. mistreating workers thing rules yeah, a little bit less, less than up. that but that's another story sure yeah i agree i also am kind of surprised to hear that because i think of the length as also being a core metroid trait like it's pretty common for a 2d metroid game to be eight to 12 hours or somewhere in that window. And also something that you can speed run easily for like four or three, because once you already know where to go, it's easy to tell. And like playing the game again faster is has been a part of Metroid since the very first one, because you get the different ending screens if you beat it mm-hmm. faster. Mm-hmm. And that's also true here. And I just, I don't know, it's like weird to think about a 2D Metroid that's 30 hours long or even 20 hours long. It seems wrong to me. Yeah, there's kind of like, the the mix the mixing of the two styles of game between Metroid game design and Dark Souls game design has led to the idea that Metroidvania games are very long, which is true of the sort of, again, the Hollow Knight vein, where it's like more of an action role-playing game. It has a big, huge world. And like Hollow Knight is like a 100-hour game or something, or 60-hour game, really, really long game, much more like Dark Souls, which Dark Souls also has some Metroid things, you know, going on in it. So 
I think that the synthesis of those two styles of games led to, I think, an erroneous assumption that now all of the games that are designed this way are going to be built to be these huge worlds that like endlessly unfold and that you explore. And it's cool that instead, I mean, it sounds like they changed their scope and maybe the reason they were going for the bigger scope was related to that perceived expectation. Maybe not. I, don't, I have no idea. But it's cool that they stripped it down because... Like I've said a few times, like this game has so its own identity and its own pace and its own feel, and that is in its favor to me. Like this works, like it has such a strong identity because you power through it. Even the bosses in this game, which a couple of them are really hard, you know. By the time like the last couple of bosses, I was like, okay, this is like this is some tough stuff. If I hadn't beaten Hollow Knight, I'd be really kind of you know beating my head against this. But like I said. Even the bosses, I never was stuck on one for too long. And granted, that's just my experience with my own ability level at this type of game. But I think the way that they were designed, they kind of come, they present a challenge. You feel a little stuck for a second. And then you're like, you beat them and then you feel good about it. And then the game is just like, all right, boom, like keep the tempo up. Let's keep going. Mm -hmm. On to the next one. Yeah, I like how it's always clear what you're supposed to do. That's always my big request with any boss battle. There's mm-hmm. plenty of bosses that are frustrating where they just seem like a sponge and you just have to hit them a billion times and that's boring. That's still the case here. You have to hit them a billion times. But they have all these different kinds of attacks that are very easy to spot in advance. Like as they're winding up, you know every single thing that's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And that, I love that. I, I can get into that every single time. Like I, mm-hmm. I know exactly where I need to stand in the room to avoid that, which then means that once I've seen every single attack, it's on me to avoid them. And that mm-hmm. is the kind of difficulty that I can always gel with because I mm-hmm. just I feel like I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. And anything that goes wrong is, is just on me. And as opposed to the game artificially create like randomness or I guess the exception right. here is the Emmy parry window which is random but well, and that's meant to be challenging in a different yes. way that's not supposed to be easily beatable i do like how they've randomized those mm-hmm. parries one time i parried an emmy on the first window which you can do when it reaches for you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was the best feeling ever yeah i think that that's really interesting about the difficulty um at least in my experience of it which is that it's so much more knowledge difficulty and not speed difficulty there are a couple attacks where speed is part of it like with the final boss you have to really quickly read what he's about to do a couple times and and like just really fast be like oh he's moving downward i need to jump and get out of the way of his lateral dash that kind of thing but a lot of the time it's just like you said you need to just know where to stand like with craid who is an early boss um also with like the greatest opening animation like when samus charges her gun up without looking at it and then blasts him oh my god um the greatest moment um he drops these like bouncing balls on the ground that hurt you. And at first, mm-hmm. they like the first time that that happened, I was like, oh my God, they just killed me and it was driving me crazy. Yeah. How am I ever going to avoid these bouncing balls? You say to yourself. Exactly. And then it was like, there's a low one and there's a high one. And I just need to, I started saying to myself, I was like, it's a low one. And then you just jump over it. It's a high one. And then you wait for it to go over you. It's a low one. It's high one. I was like, oh, okay, this is like actually really easy. They're never hitting me because I know exactly what to do. Each mm-hmm. fight has so much stuff that's like that. And that's a really nice kind of difficulty compared to, right, like a Sekiro fight, like the Genichiro fight, which is just so much about reflex and speed and like this relentless enemy that you're constantly like parrying and countering. That's a uh-huh. pretty different kind of a thing. Yeah, you don't need super 
super twitchy reflexes to be mm-hmm. Metroid Jet, I would say. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Kirk, also, t- what you said about um, Alien Isolation before and that game just being like, what, what was the word, the phrase you used? Fuck just everything. Like, F this game. <laughs> yeah, F- fuck everything about this game. Um, I think what makes the Emmys different is the countering, what you mentioned, because if one of them catches you, it can be because you screwed up or it, more often than not, it can be randomness because you walked mm-hmm. into a room and the Emmy just sat, happened to be standing there. And I think if you just died immediately, it would be really frustrating. You would be like, God damn it, this is so annoying. But because the game also gives you that window, that really two windows to counter it, it feels more like it's your fault when you die. And so it feels more fair. Like it doesn't, it adds that element of skill mm-hmm. to the whole equation, I think. And so it feels less frustrating. It's not like, oh man, he caught me, I'm dead. It's like, oh, he caught me. Okay, now I have this chance to get out of it. And if not, then I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine, whatever. That's annoying. But it's not like um, the instant it's not like when you're in a Zelda game and suddenly a stealth section pops up and if a guard catches you, you're immediately dead. Like, because it gives you that extra chance, right. I think that makes all the difference in the world. And mm-hmm. the, like, it's, there's, it's just so forgiving with with the time that you lose. Like, if it kills you, yeah. even if right. it's the fifth that time also, the enemy has yes. killed you there, like, you, you start right there where, like, in Alien Isolation, a lot of times it's at the end, like, save points are very spread out in that game and you've been crawling through the medical ward for ten minutes and you're at the very end of it and then the stupid thing kills and you're just like, I can't do that again. That was so hard. <laughs> that I never have that feeling in this game, that feeling of despair. Yeah, whereas in this game, it, because the checkpointing is so forgiving, I think it adds to that feeling of relentlessness as well in an effective way where you just feel mm-hmm. like you're constantly diving back into the action again, and then that makes you want to keep playing. There's sort of a fun fact that we've noticed, and I'd be curious if anyone else who listens and cares about video game website traffic has this happen, but we get a lot <laughs> of traffic on our Metroid posts in the middle of the night, and we were like, why is huh. that? And I'm like, I honestly think it's because people are playing the game in the middle of the night because they can't put it down and that's when they're looking up our guides is it like that's after so midnight when they're like okay like lying okay. in bed on their phone <laughs> I'm gonna look up a guide I've so like every single times. night between like midnight and 4am we get like a spike in guides traffic on Metroid Dread and like it's so funny that's to so me funny. because like <laughs> I don't know you can't you don't want to stop and also the number of times that I'd be like okay just one more time against this boss and then I'd be like yeah. why am I what why am I doing this like I'm clearly mm-hmm. not progressing and then you know you do it the next day and it's so easy I, I had mm-hmm. that experience a couple times but mm-hmm. it's really fun like it feels rewarding and it feels like every time you are learning something new which is the same thing I always loved about Metroid and loved about Dark Souls as well and just mm-hmm. it's rad it's rad to have yes. another one of these I probably found a polygon guide a couple times in the middle of the night just because I was like stuck <laughs> on there were two po- points if I remember correctly when like I was just I did not Lost. know where to go mm-hmm. next I had a couple of those um, too it wasn't yeah. even lost. It was because my the frame of where I could go was very the window was very small because it had blocked me off of like a previous like one of the passageways had blocked me off. So I didn't have a lot of places to go. But it was just that I had missed some some block or I'd miss some there was one there's one part uh, I don't remember exactly what it is I think it's like right after you get the space jump um, where I didn't know where to go next and then I finally found it and then it's like there's this there's this tiny tiny you know those blocks where you have to use the diffusion beam to get them because they're kind of like in the wall there was Mm -hmm. one block where I just did not see it at all and so I had no idea where to go next and it was just very frustrating Um, I guess that's my one complaint about the game is those moments but even then it's just it's so well designed that I immediately 
immediately yeah. forgave it after right. I got there's there. a couple like when you first get to the second world and there's lava rooms and it's like oh am I not supposed to be here because of the lava rooms but you are supposed to be there you're supposed to shoot the wall oh but there's one point where you're supposed to go in one yeah there's yeah. one point where you're supposed to actually that to run through like, one there's a couple yes, things like that that, that, that to yeah. me was actually bad design because the game is telling you hey these hurt you don't go in here but then to get to the next place you're mm-hmm. actually supposed to go through the lava at one point like when and and hurt yourself to get it it's that was a little frustrating yeah 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 I mean, there are st- there were some moments when I got stuck. I also was playing it before it came out, which was a unique experience for me. Sure, this uh-huh. is my Can't first time playing guides. a Metroid game without being able to just quickly be like, okay, I know I got to shoot at a block in this mm-hmm. room. I just don't know which one. I feel like I've shot every single block. Clearly, I haven't. I'm losing my mind. Just tell me which block I need to shoot at. And I couldn't do that this time. I had to just DM Russ Frushdick and be like, I... I, I felt so proud in those moments. I was like, I don't want to DM Russ. I'm going right, to keep right. running around until I figure this out. And then like, you know, more time would go by. I'd be like, this is sad. I'm just going to do it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I really loved it. it. It could have gone by a little faster for me if I had like had a guide in those few moments. But it was also kind of cool to have the experience of not having a guide and having to live yeah. life like Samus Aran, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. always my personal goal in life. Well, although she does have Adam. Adam is a, is a pretty good guide. She she does. Uh, you <laughs> the know, most helpful computer in the world. <laughs> is, he is he though? Whatever. Is I he? feel like she could have done it without him, honestly. She could have figured yeah. it out. He spends the whole time telling her that she's not strong enough to fight Raven Beak. <laughs> I mean, okay, to be fair, for most of the game, that is not inaccurate. And she does yeah. need more power-ups. And that is just factual. Like, that's just true. true. She needs more power-ups 99% of the time. And then when she gets all of them, it's like, hey, it's time. Now you can go fight that that annoying guy who took all of your powers at the very beginning of the game mm-hmm. in That's classic true. Metroid fashion. It's it's quite a great coincidence that like her powers were gone, but they all happen to be in orbs on this planet that she landed <laughs> into. Like you that know, is nice. That is good. Yeah, it is convenient for her. It's very convenient. It's also very convenient that anything that is destructible is like cleverly labeled. Like clearly yeah, the Chozo nice. organized their entire <laughs> society around all of yes. these weapons that they developed. And they're like, okay, so if you want to get through this door, we're going to label mm-hmm. it accordingly. You're going to need mm-hmm. this kind of gun to shoot through this door, which in and of itself is absurd. Like why is that how the Chozo choose to navigate any of their buildings? Are they secretly an extremely warlike and not at all peaceful bird species? Who who can, who can it's truly possible. say? It's possible. But very organized though. <laughs> they are very organized. Yeah, so I I love all of that, even though if you actually think about the lore of Metroid, it's extremely silly and it doesn't make any sense. I really liked the story in this game. <laughs> there's a silly line at the end that I don't want to quote because it's a big spoiler, but yeah. there's a, an, an extremely silly line. Yeah, yes. there's some very silly. I don't even know which one you're referring to because there are several yeah, very silly things that happen in this game. But I was down with it, and I I know that everybody has different feelings about who Samus is as a person, which it almost feels like how people talk about Link or like other characters mm-hmm. that have been characterized a whole lot of different ways by different writers, whereas in Link's case, of course, he's, in, he's literal different versions of himself, so you can kind of get around that. But with Samus, it's like, well, different people have written her over the years or envisioned her differently, and... So we all have these different ideas of how this largely silent character should or should not feel about everything that she's endured. 
And I just that assume feels she like, talks and acts like Maddie Myers. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, that's a very easy way to interpret it. And that's what I do. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, not everyone agrees on that. I mean, so my like, favorite if, part of the whole game is when she blew away the alien and then she went, bye. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great one liner. So um, yeah. Samus talks once and she just says, bye. No. Just <laughs> that would have been um, so good. <laughs> it would have been really good. It would have been really good. Um, all this said, It is interesting to see what I would describe as yet another portrayal of Samus that also stands on its own in this game. And I would say is dissimilar from previous ones, not in a bad way. It's kind of like it's attempting to negotiate between the very emotional Samus of Other M and Fusion and the more stoic cipher of the early Metroid games and the primes where she's silent even when people are like asking her direct questions and it's mm-hmm. absurd that she's not answering them and she's just standing there. Like they're sort of taking that stoicism and trying to combine it with the more feminized version of her in fusion and make it into something that is both and is a badass who has feelings and yells triumphantly, but and like ex- sort of has her eyes wide in horror at various moments. Like when you get to see her eyes and mm-hmm. expressing what I would characterize as fear and vulnerability in these various moments. But it's also like this is a character whose face we can't see most of, most of the time. So all of that has to be conveyed in body language. And I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I think they pulled yeah. it off. And Kirk, you were talking about that specific cutscene before a oh boss fight where she just stands there. Do you want to just describe what you mean by that? Yeah, it's it's so cool. It's almost like a silent film performance. I think that the animation work on Samus is really amazing in this game. And yeah, there's these moments, especially early in the game, where you do see her eyes kind of a lot. And there's a lot of this sort of, you see the person underneath the suit, but then so much is just this suit moving around. And at her most just hardcore. She is so rad. I mean, it's just fun to see any character be so have so much swagger. She in the the scene I'm talking about is this fight against Crate, which is basically a dragon. I gather this is a reused enemy from an earlier Metroid game. I didn't know that playing it. I was just like, okay, it's a huge lava dragon. And she walks into the room. <laughs> not, well, not clear why he was chained up in there. But yeah, yeah, whatever, because well, it made I have the some fight theories, have phases. They're spoilery. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so he, this dragon is like roaring in her face. You know, it's the classic like dragon roar animation. And it's just she's just standing there. And it's already a stoic badassery because she's not flinching at all. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. like, whatever, this dragon is the size of a building and is roaring at me. But then she just starts charging up her blaster at at her side without, like, moving or looking at it or anything. She's just doing this, like, no-look charge, very Han Solo. And then just (laughs) as he's roaring, she just puts the gun right in his face and, like, pops him. And it's just amazing. And there's so many animations like that throughout the game. There's a later sequence, a sort of extended boss fight, kind of QTE almost, where she, like, grabs onto this boss's head and is just riding on it, like shooting it in the face over and over again. Yeah. There's a feeling that she is like this uh, stalwart professional in the moments where she needs to be. She is getting the job done and she's so relentless. And it's not, I don't feel, it's not lacking in humanity. I actually think that there's a lot of really subtle humanity in her performance. But in those moments, it's just this person who has done a lot of, shit and is very capable of even more and is just like getting the job done and I think that's really just I mean it's really fun when it's at its most empowering and exciting but it's also just really interesting to think about all the little ways and the little nuances that they found in this essentially silent performance 
Yeah, yeah, she's a pro. I don't really feel like we need to know anything about her. I never played a Metroid game and was like, man, I need to know more about yeah, Samus. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like I stopped playing Other M because it was just too much of the mm-hmm. the, the mockish dialogue and stuff. And it's just like, I don't know, I really enjoyed um, the story in general. Like It felt like it was just enough lore without yeah. overwhelming you. It felt like the cutscenes were like just enough. Like I, I just thought it was really well, well done. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I also... I guess it's just because it's me projecting onto Samus, but I still see her as triumphant and joyful because in so many moments when I play, that's how I feel. Like the moments where I will Mm -hmm. finally beat a difficult boss or like get a power up I was really excited about and like morph ball around the room or whatever. Like to me, those are the moments when Samus is expressing herself because this is such a game this is a game that marries gameplay and narrative in a really perfect way in my view because it's like Samus is regaining her abilities at the same time as you. She's taking notes on the map. She's writing down which doors do what. Mm -hmm. She's keeping track of everything along with you. And she's celebrating too when you're having wins or, you know, she's cursing at the losses. And I felt like the emoting in the cutscenes was just enough to make that work. Like, there's just all these little touches. Like there's this moment where um, there's like one cutscene where an Emmy doesn't attack her and she's surprised and she like sits on the ground and just kind of stares at it and is like, what? And like, I've already <laughs> seen people like take that screenshot and like put funny captions on it and stuff because it's just Sam is like sitting on the ground, like looking befuddled, which is like <laughs> a characterization that you don't often see of her. And it's fun to see her in that position, which just feels human. And it is also you, the player looking at it and you're like, oh, what's up with this Emmy? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like she's mimicking what your feelings are in a way that feels very satisfying to me. Yeah, and it's rarely done with a female um, character. For Samus, by the way, but for Samus, every single boss she beats on the first try. Well, right? that's Unless true. you think her deaths are, are <laughs> I was thinking cannon. about that, actually. Right. So yeah, I only died true. seven times playing this game, which of I know course. is pretty oh. good. But oh, yeah, <laughs> no, just kidding. I died many, many dozens of times <laughs> playing this game. Um, but yeah. I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, in the story of this, Samus just blasted through this shit. <laughs> like, she didn't even pause. She just yeah. whooped every boss the first time, which is sort of funny to think about. It is funny, although it's all also, like, did Samus stop every now and then and be like, I'm going to go check out that wall back there. That that looked kind of right. weird. Like, I'm going to go see what was up with that. And, like, right. Take my time. Return yeah. to the ship. <laughs> Just figure I, out I the shine spark thing. On which version of Samus you think is... Uh, real or not i mean it's very very prince of persia question here it's like which yeah, which is the yeah. true timeline mm. um so anyway uh do you two have any closing thoughts my my final question here is whether you two think this is a good starting point for total newcomers to metroid i would say that it is it obviously already has been for a lot of people but i'm hoping that most of those people will go back and give super metroid a try because i feel like that is a really good companion to this game thematically. I know most people are trying fusion because it's got a lot of story stuff in there, but it's not really that similar in terms of the stuff you do in the game. So if you really like the bosses in this one and you like what you literally do, I would recommend Super Metroid. But mm. um, Yeah, although the controls haven't aged super well. Well, true, yeah. Kirk, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, sure. Like, it's, it's <laughs> such an accessible entry point and it feels so modern in terms of the gameplay, the controls, the speed, the the way that it feels to play it, that I would think this would grab more people who are, especially people who are accustomed to other 2D, you know, difficult, fun, side-scrolling games, 
like modern games would be would be more likely to get into this one. So for sure. And they can always read your lore explainer. I read Maddie's lore explainer. It's a polygon. Maybe we can link that in the show notes. But that sort of explains what's going on. And like we've said multiple times, the story is kind of whatever. I mean, you can know enough of what's it's going on. It's fun to know what's yeah. going on for the sake of like the final cutscene or two. Like it's, yeah. it's just kind right. of fun to know. But it's also like... I mean, I don't know. You guys, I guess you both read my lore explainer, so you can't answer this. But I would be curious if people went into this game knowing absolutely nothing. If those people see the ending and they're like, eh, I don't really get this. Or like, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I think I, they'd I, probably be like, I don't know what that meant, but that was a really fun game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's fine too. Right. You know, you don't really have to understand what the emotional import is of something in order to still be like, that was a sick boss fight. Well, yeah, time mm-hmm. for another video game. <laughs> and like, That's... I get the gist, right? You'll get the gist. I think it's a perfect starting point. I think anyone yeah. with a Switch should get this game. I think it's really good. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's a great nice. video game. So yeah, uh, we all agree it's the game of the year. So that's going to be a really <laughs> easy episode. Um, it's definitely a triple click pick. Uh, well, no argument from you two on that. So that's already set in stone. I mean, stone. kind of no, but at least with the second thing. <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk about it down the road. All right, cool. Uh, Let's take a break and we will be back with one more thing. Hey there, I'm Ellen Weatherford. And I'm Christian Weatherford. And we've got big feelings about animals that we just got to share. On Just the Zoo of Us, your new favorite animal review podcast, we're here to critically evaluate how each animal excels and how it doesn't, rating them out of 10 on their effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Guest experts give you their takes informed by actual, real-life experiences studying and working with very cool animals like sharks, cheetahs, and sea turtles. It's a field trip to the zoo for your ears. So if you or your kids have ever wondered if a pigeon can count, why sloths move so slow, or how a spider sees the world, find out with us every Wednesday on Just the Zoo of Us, which can now be found in its natural habitat on MaximumFun.org. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. Things have gone a little off the rails since then. (laughs) Tune in to hear about... Low-stakes neighborhood drama. Gardening. The sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse girl lifestyle. Hot sauce. Addiction to TV and sweaty takes on celebrity culture. And the weirdest, grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it, no matter how gross. (laughs) There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby G. Geniuses. Hosted by us, two horny adult idiots. Hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all. Every other week on Maximum Fun. We are back. I will go first. I watched a movie this past week. Mm. It is a horror movie because it's almost Halloween and tis mm. the season to watch a horror movie. And it is sort of a remake of Freaky Friday as a concept. And it's just called Freaky. It's on HBO Max. That's how I watched it. And it just came out this year. Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn star in this movie together. And Catherine Newton is a teenage girl, high school girl. And Vince Vaughn is Vince Vaughn, an adult male comedian. <laughs> and he <laughs> plays a serial killer. 
who's an urban legend and kills teenagers about town. Oh, yeah. I saw the trailer for this. And Catherine Newton plays a high school girl who gets mixed up uh, with him and almost killed by him, but he has a magical body switching knife that he stabs her with, not knowing that it's a magical body switching knife that switches their bodies on Friday the 13th, Freaky Friday style. And so I saw this trailer. It's a very funny trailer, but I was also like, uh, this is probably going to suck because it's just going to be like capitalizing on transphobic tropes of like, oh, it's so funny that like this man is mm. stuck in a woman's body and a little girl is stuck in a, in a man's body. And like, what can you really say about that? I did not have high expectations for this. I thought it would be like really just basic humor. But it's written by two gay guys, first of all. And it's like a really queer movie in a mm. lot of interesting and unexpected ways. Like it directly addresses that repeatedly and like the characters decide which pronouns they're going to use to refer to both characters after the switch and like stick with the the real ones so like they only refer to like the teen girl with the serial killer inside of her as him and Mm. and so on so and like they call each other out over it and i don't know it's just interesting and like there's like a scene where the the boy that the teen girl has a crush on is like talking to her when she's in the serial killer's body. And it's like very sweet because he knows it's really her because mm-hmm. she like reveals it to him. And it, it's not like a weird homophobic thing. It's like just chill. I don't know. There were so many things about the movie that I was mm-hmm. like, they could have done a stupid homophobic or transphobic joke here. And they just veered in a different direction and like did totally different jokes that I didn't expect. And I ended up really enjoying it, actually. Huh. So I, people should check it out. It's more comedy than horror, but it's like a little bit of horror. So if that's the kind of thing you like for Halloween, it's called Freaky. And it's Maybe funny. Maybe we'll watch that. I, I wouldn't expect a Freaky Friday remake to be like a straight up horror. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, where like fully like yeah. slasher. Also, terrifying. like you're not going to cast Vince Vaughn in a movie that's no. not at least kind of funny. Well, so. I could see him right. having a lot of fun with that performance specifically. Yeah. Too, so that makes me want to see it. That sounds really fun. Yeah, that yeah, sounds fun. Cool. Um, Kirk, why don't you go next? Nice. Well, my one more thing was your one more thing last week, Maddie. Yes. Back for Blood. I'm psyched you're playing this. We should play it again. Yes, um, <laughs> we should. This game is super fun. So yeah. this is Back for Blood. Maddie talked about it last week. Turtle Rock Studios, studio. Many, some of the people who made um, Left for Dead. This is basically a spiritual successor to Left for Dead. It's out on consoles and PC. It's on Xbox Game Pass, which I think is going to be real crucial for this game's at least short-term longevity because the thing I found is that this game is really fun if you play it with three friends. And that was how I played it over the weekend. I played with three of our Destiny crew. Um, Jason, you know the people I played with. And it was, first it was my first time playing with them in a while, which was just nice because we caught up and talked about their lives and stuff, and that's always nice. But it's just a fun-ass game, man, in the same way that Left 4 Dead is fun. Um, I have some specific thoughts about it, I guess. I played through the first act and some in addition to that. Um, and I think, so it's a, definitely a game that I would recommend playing with friends. I don't know if our Discord has any organization going on for groups. If they don't, they could. I think that would be really cool if listeners mm-hmm. could go there and organize and find other people to play with. Because it was really fun to play through with three other people. But it's hard. And, like, yep. you really need to communicate and coordinate. And I played initially with a buddy of mine with two AI teammates because you're a group of four just to explain this game you're a group of four people fighting through zombie scenarios basically it's a big long story there's more set pieces and bosses and stuff than left for dead had it's a little bit more variety and sort of there's cutscenes which i'm not wild about but there's just like more characters and more kind of going on 
Um, but generally, it's still left for dead. You're fighting the hordes, and it's unpredictable. So you kind of just have to keep moving and figure out what you're doing on the fly. There's, uh, you know, special infected that'll really mess you up. It's very unpredictable. At any given moment, if you're not coordinating and moving as a unit, you can just get thrashed. Um, we tried to play on normal difficulty and just got wrecked like it's so hard yeah. on normal difficulty at first i would recommend the recruit difficulty which so, is the yes. cute word for easy mode as i know i know we all have our pride but uh it's, no no no, it's no. A so game. that's where i'm going with this is we completely switched to recruit and had a great time and it was plenty hard i think yeah. that the difficulty my only thought is the difficulty must be tied up with the card system which yeah. is I think you unlock more cards as you play, you get more better abilities, and so eventually you're like really loading out with some mega stuff and you're more prepared to do normal. And I think this game, since there's just the one thing and you play through it, it's meant to be played over and over again as you kind of, there's this whole complicated card system that's actually kind of cool. I started getting into it and you start kind of chasing things and then there's cool optional challenges on each map. Like you can get the test sample in each map and if you get that, you get extra stuff. One of the guys I was playing with like knew a lot about the game because he'd play the beta and that was very helpful because I was just like, I don't know, I'm just shooting zombies and, and following you guys. So I found the difficulty to be kind of interesting in that it's almost like there could have been a third or fourth difficulty in between easy and normal. That's like kind of hard, but like normal just feels a little more like hard. I don't know, but maybe it's the card thing. That's like my favorite. My favorite hot wings place only goes from mild to hot. They don't have a medium. <gasps> this wow. is kind of like that, right? It's and like where that. mild is actually pretty spicy <laughs> in this game's case. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I, I really just think it's super fun. And um, I wish that there were campaign co-op, which I know is, or sorry, campaign versus, which I know mm -hmm. is a thing that people have complained about because Left 4 Dead, you could play it where two teams would go through each level and trade off, you know, one would be the zombies and one would be the survivors and then you get to take turns. And that isn't in this game. There is versus, but it's a separate thing. It's like cordoned off from the main game. And I would hope that they're thinking about adding that because if this game gets really good live support and especially if they add that, I could see this being like a long-term thing that people really like to play because this was fun. I mean, I'm like hounding my my friends and like, Jason, we got to play. Maddie, we got to play. Like, we got to play this game okay. um, and, and get people together because it's just like, well, I've got a couple hours free. I really want to play it. It's really fun. So I was very impressed with it. I think it's a fun game, especially if you're playing with friends. That's Back for Blood. It's on PC and consoles. Yeah, right on. Maybe while my child is sleeping. Yeah, it's a good one for <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, so Jason, tell us what you've been up to. My one more thing uh, is actually from a few weeks ago, but uh, I've been doing nothing but playing Metroid, so I can talk about this now. Um, I read a book a few weeks ago called Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, um, who is the author of The Martian, um, which is that the famous book became a movie with mm -hmm. Matt Damon. Um, Project Hail Mary came out, I believe it was May of this year, around the same time that my latest book came out. And it's really, really good. Um, it's a book about a guy who wakes up on a spaceship with no recollection of why he's there or what he has to do. Um, and amnesia plots can be a little hokey, but this one works because it's actually a very good reason that's explained way later in the book mm -hmm. why he has amnesia. It's not explained until like, close to the end, but it is a very good reason and makes total sense within the context of the story. Um, 
And it's just a really great story. Um, like The Martian, it's full, full of like science. Um, and uh, it's written in a very poppy, fun way, the science. Uh, sometimes it can get a little a little maudlin, but, um, but it's always fun. It's fun to read. Um, the story is really, really good. Um, as like the mystery unfolds, you get these flashbacks to like when he was on Earth and you gradually find out what he's doing there, why he is in space, um, what he has to do. Turns out he is on a very important mission to save the planet mm. um and project hail mary uh, maybe yeah it's, it's called project hail mary yeah. a name. um and there's all sorts of cool stuff that happens that i won't spoil um i recommend not reading anything about the book just jump in because um there's one just cool uh, one integral part of the whole story is surprising and it's best if you don't read like a review or like like anything that would tell you about that because it's like a, a big part of it but it's fun to not know what it is going into it nice. and I'll just leave it at that but yeah really good book Project Hail nice. Mary by Andy Weir really really enjoyed it everyone should go check it out awesome huh. that sounds really Rent cool rented from your local library that's what I did Nice. Cool. All right. Well, this has been our Metroid Dread episode. It sure has I loved been. It. Yay. What a great video game. Yeah, what a good one. Definitely going to play it again. Good video game. And with that, uh, we bid you adieu. Uh, we will see you all yeah. next week. See you both next adieu, week. Adieu to you and you and you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> that doesn't count. Bye. <laughs> Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.